Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, coming up here in a few minutes, we got some fun stuff. Georgia is possibly on commitment watch here this weekend. We'll let Jeff Sintel tell you more about that. Also, admittedly, I am really fired up at this Texas-Alabama game on Saturday. Not to say that I'm not fired up about Georgia, but we kind of knew this was going to be the thing for the first couple of weeks. We would be more interested in, like, say, LSU-Florida State than we would be in Georgia-Tennessee-Martin, and we sort of knew we'd be kind of more interested in Texas-Alabama than we would be Georgia-Ball State. This is just a very different kind of season for Georgia than the seasons it's played in the past. I I don't think that necessarily you know results in a different ending to the year but it's a little bit different right now we'll have more on that in a moment by the way but in terms of what will happen on saturday noon start for georgia against ball states the cardinals right ball state cardinals out of the mid-american conference uh as, as far as what will happen i want to revisit something that I played for you yesterday because Kirby Smart in the midst of talking about Marcus Roseme Jackson's return at wide receiver Smart used a phrase that I think is really valuable and I think it probably speaks to what Georgia fans are sort of hoping for from Saturday I don't think that last Saturday was that big of a deal I really don't I think that Georgia got out of there with an easy win and I don't think you get style points in a situation like that you know if Georgia won 100 to nothing we've said this now a million times I'm not quite so sure it would make me feel better about Georgia the fact that the score was fairly low for a little while doesn't necessarily make me feel worse but in terms of what Georgia fans would like to see for week two I think Kirby Smart talking this week when he was speaking about Marcus Rosemey Jack saying kind of brushed up against what Georgia fans I think are sort of hoping for let me let you hear Kirby from yesterday you heard this on the show but I want to play it again just because I I think it kind of resonates with what the mood the theme for Saturday needs to be here's Kirby again yeah, it really helps. I think Carson's confidence was one of the big things with having Marcus around. Is like, oh, all right, Marcus knows every fastball play. Marcus knows exactly what to do when he checks. Marcus knows the route tree. Marcus, Marcus gives you comfort as a quarterback that he's going to do it right. Not just just the physicality and blocking, because he's more than a blocker. He goes up and and makes plays on the ball. He had huge catches last year over the middle, the end zone catch against Tennessee. I mean, he's just very reliable. And uh, I think having him back gives all those guys a little more swagger and confidence at receiver because he's out there. And it takes a little bit of a load off the other guys in terms of volume. Did you hear the phrase there at the end that Roseby Jack Saints return gives the Georgia receivers more swagger and confidence? That's what Georgia fans want to see on Saturday. And it goes beyond just wide receivers. I think it goes to the offense overall. We're going to talk briefly about the defense here in a minute. But that's what I believe that Georgia fans want to see on Saturday. They want to see some swagger and confidence from this Georgia team. Now, I think there's a thing that kind of hangs over the head of this discussion a little bit, and I don't know that it's been properly appreciated. I'm about to get like really nerdy for like five seconds, and this is beyond my ability to comprehend, but I think I kind of get it. I think it sort of makes sense, and I think I can make it make sense to you that when you look at Georgia last week and Georgia fans kind of eh, sort of ho-hum response to a you know, uh, a less than stellar and thrilling win against UT Martin. I would say somewhat meager expectations for Georgia on Saturday. I told you before, Georgia's like 0 for its last nine in covering the spread and these sort of 40-plus point numbers uh, when playing at home that I think a lot of folks sort of think that there's a version of Georgia on Saturday that probably looks a little bit like what you saw last week against UT Martin. Once again, it doesn't really matter very much, but it's probably true. And all of this kind of comes in the context of 
just the firebrand of football that Georgia was playing to begin last season. There's a guy named Brian Fremo, who's like one of these, and I think he would probably say this about himself, one of these sort of math nerd type guys that's like really into like the analytics and really into like sort of fancy stats and the very deep statistical analysis of college football. He put out a chart yesterday kind of looking at what he calls, you know, it's basically a way of like rating a performance during a game. Let me show you this screen uh, shot of uh, Fremo on Twitter. He's talking about what he calls his opponent-adjusted single-game performances. Basically, like, how well did you play related to the opponent that you were playing? And I don't understand the formula for that. I don't understand how it all is tabulated. But I do understand this, that last year, Georgia had, of all the games that were played in college football, not only was Georgia the single-best team, Georgia had this top three single game performances the best anybody played all year last year was georgia against oregon the second best that anybody played all year last year was georgia against tcu and the third best performance in a single game for any team last season according to brian fremo who's been sort of tabulating numbers for a long time was georgia against south carolina and once again i'm not smart enough to tell you well, his formula is right or is wrong i have no idea all i can do is sort of trust his numbers but the point is if we do trust those numbers and we assume that they're right that's the like the awning that hangs over this entire discussion is that last year straight out of the block we saw Georgia play through what two weeks the two best games that anybody would play all season long or two of the three best games that anybody would play all season long and we watched Georgia you know to begin the season against UT Martin the last time we saw them play not only were they winning a national championship but they were doing so in the most dominant fashion that anybody played almost entire the entirety of the season so I think the issue that Georgia has in a game like UT Martin on Saturday is it's kind of comparing itself to itself and some of the stuff that Georgia did to begin last season was so dominant that anything by comparison that's going to seem a little bit ho-hum now I believe that once Georgia starts playing better opponents such as South Carolina next week the version of Georgia we saw to begin last season will probably start kind of coming into fruition but until it does you kind of get the sort of half interested three-quarter speed version of Georgia that sometimes you get against these lesser opponents so to go back to the phrase that Kirby Smart used well how do you have swagger and confidence or how do you demonstrate that on Saturday against Oregon we know how you demonstrated it you scored seven straight possessions to begin the game that's uh, not, not 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 just score but touchdowns touchdowns in seven straight possessions to begin the game that's a remarkable level of achievement you know as we've talked about before Georgia beat South Carolina on the road last year so bad that it ranked right up there amongst you know any performance anybody had all year long that's what Georgia showed so what can you show on Saturday in a game that's so far down the trough compared to some of the other stuff we're talking about what can you show I think it's about how quickly you build the lead like last week I said hey I don't have much of a reasonable expect you know too much of a unrealistic expectation here I just like to see Georgia you know have at least seven or eight plays of 20 or more yards that's going to be good enough to kind of keep them on pace to sort of match the explosive rate they had a year ago give me seven or eight and I'll probably be fine well Georgia got 10 so from that standpoint they kind of met and slightly exceeded the expectation that I had for them how about a somewhat reasonable expectation for this week's game there as well I'll take a final score that was somewhat similar to what Georgia had last week. I'll take, you know, a game that's nowhere near as dominant and throttling as what Georgia did against Oregon and South Carolina a year ago. I could be okay with that as a fan. Here's the one way I think that Georgia could show some swagger and some confidence. Can you build a big lead a little earlier in the game? Kirby Smart talked about that post game after Saturday, the idea that you don't just walk out there and just score 50 points right away and sort of build that lead, you know, right from the jump. 
but could you build it a little bit quicker? And Georgia's only up what seventeen nothing in the third quarter last week. That's a you know relatively you know small score uh, compared to who you were playing. So could you build the lead a little quicker? That for me, if you want to demonstrate some swagger and confidence, if if Carson Beck's going to take full control and command of this offense, that might be the best most realistic expectation for Georgia of, hey, you know, you're playing lesser opponent. You don't have to be the absolute best, you know, you're going to be all year long. You don't have to be that necessarily. But could you build the big lead quicker? Uh, by the way, that's something that Kentucky didn't quite do last week. They eventually won by 30 points. They covered the spread. But they were a little slow in building their lead against Ball State last week, too. Can Georgia build that lead a little quicker? You know, to me, that might be one of those things worth watching. Now, let me also just squeeze this in here really quick. On the other side of the ball for a moment, you know, defense just doesn't get as much attention in situations like this as the offense does. People are very curious about the new coordinator, the new quarterback. You understand why that is. But let me give you one thing to watch for on defense on Saturday. And I'm guessing this will be fine, but it's at least worth watching. Georgia gave up almost 130 yards rushing last week. Um, last year, they only averaged 77 yards per game allowed on the ground. I'm not sure when the last time Georgia gave up back-to-back games of 100 yards rushing would have been. I'm not quite so sure when that had been, but I'm presuming it's been a little while ago, I'm guessing. So from that standpoint, watch Ball State on Saturday in terms of its ability to run the ball. They did not have 100 yards rushing against Kentucky. They were in the 70s, you know, somewhere like that. So watch Georgia on Saturday to see if this rush defense that probably gave up a few more yards, some of that was quarterback, but a few more yards last year, last week on the ground than we're accustomed to seeing them give up. Let's see if that Georgia rush defense looks a little bit more sound against this Ball State team on Saturday. That's another somewhat meager, realistic expectation of, hey, you know, can you be a little bit more sound and solid up front when it comes to that? Can you have a little bit more explosiveness from the jump offensively, show some of that swagger and confidence uh, that Kirby Smart was talking about there a moment ago? Can Carson Beck demonstrate his ability to lead this offense down the field, throw a couple of touchdowns maybe perhaps? That might be enough for Saturday. It's admittedly nowhere near as exciting as the way that Georgia started in the past, but it could be the next step towards eventually getting us to the game games that matter most i can't wait for the portion of that season to get here and saturday's the next tune-up as georgia heads in that direction my name's brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by kroger we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video normally live not live today uh but we're gonna be live soon so i told the folks before our show started the best expectation as i have is that we are going to be probably pre-recorded again on Monday. But my hope is by Tuesday, we're back live again. That's the hope that I have. I, I, I don't expect us to be live on Monday. I don't expect, but I'm hoping that by Tuesday, we might be able to do that. So uh, tune in and find out. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out nonetheless podcast obviously nothing for you has been any different than it has been before and we're glad about that and of course uh radio friends and everything like that too just glad to have you a part of our program and a big thanks to our friends at kroger who make it all possible and by the way they've made game day even easier for you putting more money in your pocket to spend on the things you enjoy for the tailgating festivities and things like that and having more time to sit back and watch the games and it comes via the the really cool membership opportunity that kroger has called kroger boost and right now you can try uh boost free for 30 days when you go online kroger.com slash boost you can learn more about that and when you're a boost member you get twice the fuel points uh you get a chance to to save money you enjoy free grocery delivery all kinds of cool things going on there with that so save time save money with the kroger boost membership program kroger.com slash boost for more on that today now very very quickly need to give you an update on this tennessee fans continue to be outraged 
by Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River. Now, here is an adage that I live by. This is something that I very much believe to be true. If these folks who wear the you know orange overalls to football games are this upset with me here at Dog Nation, that means we must be doing something very, very right. Been showing you a lot of the social media feedback on this as of late. Oh, it's been juicy. Now the message boards are involved in this. I'll give you an example. The uh, headline of the thread you see on message boards, Dog Nation's planning an invasion on the Tennessee River. You love to see that. I saw with the uh, on three message board was talking about they're going to try to do anything they can to stop this, but they should know by now that much like George on the field, especially when Tennessee is the opponent on the other side, Dog Nation cannot be stopped. Dog Nation will not be stopped. The invasion is coming to Neyland Stadium, and Tennessee fans need to be more worried about their own team and Tennessee's ability to make this a big game for Georgia. Georgia really needs Tennessee to step up and do its part to make the game feel like a quality win for Georgia, but also the kind of big game vibe atmosphere that Georgia fans crave. You know, every year there's sort of that big game for Georgia this year Tennessee is the closest we have to that but it's going to require Tennessee winning a few games to actually kind of do their part there on that so Vols fans should be more worried about doing their own part to make the game feel big than they are about our dog nation invasion tailgate but while Tennessee fans are enraged by this Georgia fans are having a good time with it I want to show you a couple of examples of people giving me a little bit of a hard time I showed you the picture of me the other day dressed up like John Paul Jones as somebody was kind of you know making fun of me for I'll show you another one here too uh, Georgia fans enjoying this Josh Johansson who's a great dog fan a good dude uh says uh, dog nation daily getting ready for the dog nation invasion of the tennessee river i can already see it now and the uh, great captain and uh, roy scheider's uh, character from jaws we're gonna need a bigger boat that's exactly right because uh let me tell you this right now josh and everybody else we could this thing's about to sell out like right now so this is not an ad read i'm just telling you right now if you want to be a part of dog nation invasion this thing has sold out it's not I don't think it's quite sold out yet. I think there may still be a couple of spots left, but this thing is on the verge of selling out almost quicker than anything we've ever done. I don't know that we've ever had anything that's ultimately going to sell out as quickly as this one's likely to sell out. Um, So your last chance, by the time we get to early next week, I don't think they're going to let me sell any more tickets. I really, really don't. And at some point, they're going to make me stop mentioning it, period. Uh, But for now, you need to know that your last chance may be the next couple of days. I've already gotten the warning of they're going to shut me down and shut me off on promoting this here pretty soon. So go to dognation.com, click in, get your tickets for Dog Nation Invasion. Watch those Tennessee fans just be so mad. Uh, and if we if we could be uh, if we if we if we'd be like the great captain in Jaws and get a bigger boat, we would. Uh, but right now we're kind of stuck with what we have, <laughs> so we're not going to be able to do that. By the way, speaking of making fun of me and my love for water these days, Jesse Smith also writes in to say that I might need an intervention. Speaking about myself, he says I'm infatuated with water from the Dog Nation boat ride down the Tennessee River to the dogs cruising to the national title and the Dog Nation cruise in April. We might need to buy this man an island. Now, I told Jesse. Uh, I said, hey, I'm more than happy to accept any island purchases anybody wants to make on my behalf, but you better believe. Listen, I judge my life based on how much time I get to spend on water. So if I'm cruising the Tennessee River for the Dog Nation of Asia, or if I'm sailing the Caribbean for the Dog Nation cruise, as much time as I get to spend either on or near the water, that's sort of that's sort of how I judge the quality of my life. I think things are working out pretty well for me, uh, depending on how close I am to the water or if the fact that I'm actually on the water. So Jesse's 100% right about that. But the point is, Dog Nation Invasion, Tennessee fans are enraged by it. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, and we are having a very good time stirring the pot with all of them right now. So message boards, social media, blog sites, 
Uh, they know what's coming for them in November, and we want you to be a part of it. Limited space remains, dognation.com, to be a part of Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River. One of the most fun things we have ever done. Now, speaking of having a good time, let's get ready to go around the doghouse presented by uh, the finished long drink here today. And there is really one thing, and only one thing, that I like about the NFL more than college football. You got to understand something. I came out of the womb liking college football. It's just one of those things that from the first time I knew what sports was, college football just made sense to me. It just it just was an immediate yes for me. And some of you are probably the same way. It's interesting. My son's a big sports fan in general, but he's just like me. And you'd say, well, you trained him to be that way. But I, I, pretty early on, he was just gravitating towards college football. He's never cared about the NFL quite as much. He likes to watch. We watched the game last night. But he's just never liked college football quite as much as he's, I should say, never liked the NFL quite as much like college football. When I was a kid, I was very much the same way. I've kind of made my life around college football. Uh, I like it far more than the NFL. But there is one thing I do like about the NFL more than college football, and I think it's on display here this weekend. I'm going to give you two quick examples. You know, Georgia playing its second week in a row against the likes of a UT Martin or a Ball State. And We're just not really learning much about Georgia right now. We're going to learn some stuff about Georgia pretty quickly, but we're not really learning much about UGA here at the moment. It's just taking us a little while to get into the portion of the season that really matters for Georgia. And that's kind of always been true for college football. It's kind of one of the glitches that's existed in the system. I'm, you know, typically speaking, a traditionalist. I don't like change in college football too much, but this is one thing that has existed for, you know, even since before I was born with the sport, these kind of cupcake style games. And this is one of those things about college football I do believe should probably change i don't think georgia ut martin the way it was played last week i'm not even sure that game should even happen georgia ball state i kind of feel the same way about that uh, i'm not even quite so sure that should happen by comparison like look at the local nfl team the atlanta falcons in a watered down nfc sal there's a chance the falcons could win this division here this year you know arthur smith probably needs to start winning some games at some point but there's a chance the falcons can win the division and yet if they're going to do that then you got to win a home game like the one atlanta is going to play on sunday against the carolina panthers but on the other side of the field carolina's got you know first round pick number one overall pick bryce young at quarterback carolina believes that this guy can be uh, eventually a superstar player for them like that's great storylines right atlanta in a must-win game if it wants to win the division or pretty close to a must-win game take care of your home games against a team like carolina carolina wants to showcase what could be a future star in the nfl we don't have to wait five weeks to get that we get that in week one in the nfl and of all the ways in which college football is better than the national football league in my mind and probably in many of your minds as well this is the one thing the NFL has over college football to a huge degree. That ability to create interesting, compelling week one storylines like right from the go, get-go. Last night's Detroit-Kansas uh, City game may have been an example of that a little bit too. It's just you don't have the cupcake games, and it just makes for a slightly, uh, I think, more enjoyable beginning of the season in some respects anyway. Now, of course, we all know, and Connor Riley had a great story about this at DogNation.com, Georgia was supposed to be playing at Oklahoma this week. And the vibe around Dog Nation would have been so different if Georgia was traveling to Norman, Oklahoma. There would obviously be uh, you know, a lot more interest and intrigue. I thought Connor's story at DogNation.com was really good about this, and I believe that you ought to read it. And one of the things that story had in it was a quote from Kirby Smart kind of talking about not having a game like Oklahoma, not having what you had a week, a year ago against Oregon, or you know, you, he didn't mention this, but you could have talked about Clemson in 2021 or perhaps playing Clemson again in 2024, assuming that's still a good team, that you, you by then, you, which is right now up for, up for debate. The point is, is you know, Kirby Smart 
does not seem to acknowledge that there is so much more to be gained in terms of knowing about your team because of playing those kinds of games to begin a season. I want to let you hear Kirby Smart on that uh, topic. Georgia not playing Oklahoma, but from an evaluation standpoint, doesn't necessarily sound like Kirby Smart's uh, missing too much from that. This is what Kirby said this week. I don't think you do. I mean, I, I really don't. Uh, I don't know what we learned last year uh, in that Oregon game where almost everything went our way offensively, and and uh, and then this year everything almost went our way defensively. Obviously, two very different opponents. I'm not comparing the two opponents, but I'm comparing what I know about our team. I don't because in each of those years there were games immediately after that that we had question marks. I think you're always going to have question marks. I mean, nobody says you got to be the best team after week one. So Kirby Smart says that I'm not sure how much I learned about my team from the Oregon game a, a year ago, and perhaps that's true from his perspective. But I don't believe that's true from Georgia fan perspectives. And for those of us who like talking about college football, I certainly don't think that's true from our perspective either. We learned pretty quickly through two weeks a year ago that Georgia was by far and away the best team in college football. That was kind of the talking point and the chatter at that time. That's when we started the go for two and 22 kind of discussion based on how Georgia played through those two weeks and as it turns out what we learned through two weeks last season was proven true over the course of the next 13 weeks there as well that there was just nobody playing at the same level that Georgia was you learn that I believe because of the quality of opponents that Georgia was playing now eventually Georgia's going to play some of those kind of games this year and Georgia will get a chance to show how good it is here for this season but it's just not quite happening from the jump the way that it did a year ago and it does make the vibe around this year for Georgia certainly different than it has been in the past and that is around the doghouse and it's poured today by our friends at the finished long drink now by now you know that the finished long drink is the most refreshing alcoholic beverage available to you and for many of you it's a big part of your tailgate festivities tomorrow in Athens or wherever you're going to be going this weekend here whether it's the traditional the blue can I like that grapefruit flavor gin kick but you also perhaps have tried the brand new for the peach state peach flavored version of the finished long drink now one of the cool things about this is it's just how pretty that can looks because the peach flavored can and I always feel like the finished long drink cans especially if you got one of these you know fancy kind of nice new coolers that keep the can super cold like there's that sort of ultra cold kind of cold to the touch feeling from these great new coolers that are out there now you pull that great uh, peach flavored can of the finished long drink out of that cooler you see the condensation sort of dripping down the sides you feel it you hold it it's almost like you know uh, liquid nitrogen or something just so nice and cold just like like aggressively cold and delicious and if you haven't tried it now is the time to do that because when you're watching the team from the peach day dominate the rest of college football there's nothing better than that goes with that than our friends at the finished long drink and the peach flavored version of the finished long drink so please check out the longdrink.com and you can find out where you can pick some up now for you maybe long drink cranberry or the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume in fact for some of y'all i know that's what you want uh but the peach flavored version is for a limited time it's uh one of those things you want to make sure you seek out and find i know our buddy jeff Sintel has loved that and so many of you have there as well so find it more online the longdrink.com for more on that that's the longdrink.com all right we got a lot to do here today before we're done final thoughts on all the big games including the biggest of them all texas and alabama but there is major recruiting talk to get into here right now including the possibility that georgia could be possibly be on commitment watch here this weekend so let's cover all of that ground with jeff Sintel here on dog nation daily presented by kroger today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And we'll say hello to Jeff Sintel. As I said before, we got a lot of recruiting news to get to, so I don't want to 
waste any time in getting to it. Jeff also kind enough to join us very early in the morning here. You know, we've kind of gotten used to uh, these early morning records for Dog Nation daily while we're having the weird technical issues. But uh, our guests have not had quite as much time to acclimate themselves to that. So we appreciate Jeff waking up early to be a part of this with uh, us here today. And Jeff, if you don't mind, I want to make good use of your time. So four-star linebacker Chris Cole getting ready to make his commitment announcement here this weekend. Now, the interesting thing is, is seems like George is a factor here, but it also seems like you know Tennessee, who gets last bat on that uh, visit that Cole's taking for uh, their game here this particular Saturday, I believe. Correct me on that. I believe I'm right on that. Uh, that it's certainly interesting timing for the Vols here. What is the latest on Cole on what I believe is a Sunday evening commitment announcement? Uh, how tuned in for this do you think Georgia fans should be? Yeah, Brandon. Hey, good morning. Hey, man. No trouble joining in, man. You remember, I still take children to school and take young teenagers to school, so it's no no worries waking up this early, getting on the phone, talking ball. Uh, you're right, Brandon. Your information is correct. Uh, Chris Cole's going to make a decision. It's going to be about 6 o'clock on Sunday night. And Hey, how about this? After wandering through the desert, wondering when recruiting news is going to happen and whether the uh, Georgia football recruiting would would give us anything, any pearls to watch on in between uh, games in the thick of the season. You've got Chris Cole, the number 56 player in the country, wants to be Dr. Cole one day. And really, I think his decision, Brandon, he just he just visited USC on an official this weekend. Virginia Tech has always been on it. But I think his decision really comes down to uh, Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee is the school. He will take another official visit this weekend, too. It's not a full official visit because he's going to be back home a lot earlier than most uh, for that 6 p.m. decision. And I think really for Cole, it comes down to development, how well Georgia has prioritized him, and then also some an academic side of it because I think he's only made – he told me he's only made one B in his entire high school career, and that was in Spanish. So you're looking at Chris Cole, potentially Georgia could add another dynamic, terrific linebacker. Brandon, this was the player – who a year ago was playing safety at an All-American level, 6'3", 185, and he's totally kind of put a new suit of armor on his body, man. If you want to say he went Tony Stark Iron Man and muscled up, he did. He's, six, he's now about 6'4", and about 225. Perfect candidate to play some hybrid linebacker for the dogs. And I think, Brandon, without trying to conjure up images of publisher's clearinghouse in your mind in a big NIL check, I think that's the thing that – probably remains to be seen with the Chris Cole recruitment. This late official visit to Tennessee, what will the NIL package look like, and will it be enough to sway him from really feeling strongly about the dogs for a very long time now? Too bad Dog Nation doesn't have his Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River here this week. Uh, you could maybe get Chris Cole to hop on board. We'll just take him back to uh, Georgia with us there. That's not a uh, bad idea at all. Looking ahead to the class of 2025 here for a moment, uh, you had a good story this week with Elijah Griffin, who's one of those guys that, you know, we haven't really started doing this yet, but we're going to be talking about for months and months and months in, in the future. I mean, Griffin's within an eyelash of being the number one overall player in the entire country for the uh, upcoming cycle. Uh, you know, big defensive lineman out of Savannah. Seems like George is in a pretty good spot here. What else did you learn from that conversation you had with Griffin? Really like South Carolina as well, Brandon. That's a school that's standing out. And good luck if the Gamecocks are able to hide all visual evidence of that North Carolina opener from Elijah Griffin in terms of his recruiting process. But he really loves the Gamecocks as well as the Dogs. He gave you that favorite phrase I know you love to hear where 
he said it, he said Athens, Georgia feels like home. They treat his family so well. Um, he has a blast every time he comes to Athens, and he's going to be in Athens next weekend for the South Carolina game. So, whatever bad juju the, the Gamecocks look like uh, against North Carolina in the opener, and I believe the Duke's Mayo Bowl will then. He's going to get a full uh, full onslaught of what it's going to look like when Georgia plays Carolina at Dooley Field in Sanford Stadium. 6'5", about 275, 280, Brandon. Really impressed with this guy both on and off the field. I met some members of his family so far during his recruiting process, Brandon, and they really just want to use football as a vehicle to get to a great degree, to get to a really strong academic school, and to really set himself for – up for life after football. Uh, the, of course, the development helps there. When you watch him play, it seems like he's got another gear. I remember talking to Mike DeBose, Brandon. You know him as the five-star yeah. offensive tackle commitment in the class. And he was talking about going up against uh, Elijah Griffin at camp at Georgia. What the staff did is they saw those two were the kind of the alphas in the group. They matched them up. They had them compete against each other a lot in drills. And then a one-on-one, the only one-on-one that Micah DeBose lost, uh, which is a good thing in and of itself, was to Elijah Griffin. And he just, Griffin just has a lot of speed, power, size. And Brandon, this is a very sharp, a very impressive young man. When you get him in front of a camera, he's going to sound and look a lot like Jalen Walker, uh, Kobe Dean, some of the really smartest, brightest, most telegenic, very com- excellent communicators you've ever been around. And, He's kind of been that guy around Savannah Christian since he was in the sixth grade. Um, and I really like the chances Georgia has with Elijah Griffin. And not only that, I really like the type of young person that Savannah Christian has produced here at Elijah Griffin. To me, this just sort of feels like the recruiting battle that Georgia never loses, right? It's like a five-star defensive lineman. He's out of Savannah. You know, they're, they're, like He's not going to like Buford or Parkview or one of these places that does not quite seem to send players to Georgia quite as much. This is a guy out of Savannah. Savannah is deep red bulldog country. Um, this just sort of feels like the kind of recruiting battle that Georgia always seems to win. And I'll be honest, you know, it's probably a fake narrative, but it's going to be a narrative nonetheless. You know, a couple of years in a row here of a couple of pretty big name in-state targets who kind of get away, the tandem of Downs and uh, Haynes from the previous cycle, you know, remains to be seen how the 2024 cycle concludes. But obviously some big names here in this state also expected to go elsewhere too. You know, some of these big 2025 in-state names are going to have – a lot of attention on their recruitment because of what has gotten away over the course of the last couple of years. So while this feels like the kind of battle that Georgia always wins, you know, probably a little bit of a need to win some of these in-state battles in 2025, I think. Funny, Brandon. I like where you're going with that. Nobody ever talks about – everybody focuses on the swings and misses. They don't talk about the 500-foot home runs from Acuna when it comes to, you know – no talking heads are like, you know, Georgia's won seven out of the last seven in the 912 area code. Or, you know, can't, can't keep a Bulldog from making out of Athens. Um, I, I just really like um, Griffin potentially, what he would mean to the class. Obviously, be another five-star, but I think everybody, I think everybody and their brother this week, Brandon, saw that sound bite with Kirby when he was asked about sacks and the narrative on the recruiting trail. Uh, one of the people I'm sure that Kirby Smart was hopefully speaking to out of the universe when he made that comment was a guy like Elijah Griffin and how they'd make him a three-down defensive lineman, how he'd be going against the best every week in practice, kind of like the Micah DeBoses of the world. And 
you know, Elijah's a guy that I think a lot of people are going to notice where he goes. They're going to pay attention to where he goes. I've heard uh, another name that looks excellent for Georgia who's already committed is uh, Justice J. Terry in the uh, 2025 class. And he's already talked about for a long time about partnering up with Elijah Griffin. And everybody tries to throw these parallels about they see a little bit of Jalen Carter 88 in in, uh, Elijah Griffin's game. I don't know if I totally see that. I think it's a different type of player. I also think that Jalen Carter needs to be a scouting unicorn for a little bit because I think he was just that good. But if you could get a Georgia future defensive line that includes Justice J. Terry and then Elijah Griffith together at the same time, good luck blocking those dudes and the havoc rates would, that havoc meter would kind of run like that, that scene from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when they cranked up all the lights and the power bill started rolling and rolling and rolling for the for uh, Chevy Chase and the Griswold family. I think that's what the havoc rate would look like at Georgia if you can get Elijah Griffith on the same line with Justice Terry. Uh, very quick, uh, another 2025 prospect I want to mention here for a moment, that's Ethan Barbour, tight end at Alpharetta. He's also got a commitment decision coming up in the month of September. Now, Georgia's got Elias Williams in the fold for the class of 2025. Barbour is the guy that I've seen a couple of times, so I've, I always have a tendency to kind of like the guys that I've seen. Uh, he is certainly one that I have seen. Uh, this looks like a tight end that Georgia's got some uh, strong interest in here right now and a very interesting tight end prospect out of the Atlanta area. There are so many great tight ends in Georgia, 24 class, 25 class, and Barbour is certainly one of those. How do you think Georgia sets, uh, sits for Barbour right now? I think it's hit very well. I know if we had on the edges a while back over the summer, Brandon, some video of the Georgia cookout. and I thought it was intriguing that the tight end commitments where they had Jaden Riddell in there and Colton Heinrich, they had Ethan Barbour there as well. And he was kind of leading the group in their like kind of relay race with a cup of water. Uh, he's already really bonded well with Georgia. I know Todd Hartley and Georgia have kind of been like, when are you going to commit? They've been wanting that commitment. You know, Hartley, always tries to work ahead in class, tries to finish up his classes early. And that's what I was kind of got that feeling on Hedges this week, Brandon, when we were talking about wandering through the desert looking for a commitment decision or something interesting for, for Georgia football fans to focus on on the recruiting front. And you had the you had the decision coming with Chris Cole, but you also have this September 22nd decision coming as well with Ethan Barbour. And there's a lot of traits here, Brandon. I think the next person we're writing about uh, for the for the website is going to be Ethan Barbour. There's a lot of traits you like. Number one, this guy is a natural tight end. Sometimes in practices, sometimes in games, instead of going over to his coaching staff, Jason Curvin at Alpharetta High and asking, can I get the ball? He's kind of like, can I get a block? It's time to bump somebody. Can mm-hmm. I hit somebody? He wants to block during a very heated point of the game. He's a guy that can take hard coaching. He's a guy that can be one of those uh, guys that you can put up in front of the assembled media, and he's going to look great. Uh, he's got strong educational background in his family. I think his sister uh, went to Vanderbilt. His sister was like a valedictorian, salutatorian at high school. So he's a guy that's going to handle it in the classroom. He's going to handle it on the field. He's one of those all-around tight ends. I think the only thing that's intriguing about Ethan Barbour's scouting profile compared to recent tight ends Georgia has signed is I think he's only about 6'3 and about 235 pounds. So he's not one of those, you know, giant gazelle you know, with Elias Williams. I think that's a nice balance in terms of skill sets right there. But this is a guy that can be a team leader type. This is a guy that's going to impress you on and off the field. 
and he really doesn't mind blocking and doing the dirty work besides going out, getting free on a, a hook or a curl or a, or a deeper out downfield and making a lot of yards. All right, so f- to finish up here, Jeff, my guess is, you know, last week the visitor list actually ended up being halfway, you know, entertaining. You certainly had Dylan Riola there, you know, perhaps a little bit of a surprise uh, appearance by uh, Juju Lewis, who was probably there only to kind of hang out with his uh, Carrollton teammates, a good number of them were also uh, in, in in the building last Saturday there too, fresh off their win against Rome. My guess is tomorrow's visitor list probably not quite as distinguished, <laughs> just given the time of the game and uh, you know uh, everything else that's perhaps going on. But I think a lot of Georgia fans are certainly hoping to see a fun list starting to form for the South Carolina game the following Saturday. So to finish up with here, do you mind if we look ahead a week? Uh, you get the sense. I know you mentioned you know the idea of uh, griffin being there next week do you get the sense that we could have a cool fun visitor list starting to form for the sec opener for georgia next week i think it might be the best one of the year unless you go all the way down to maybe kentucky and then also old miss but i think this one could be the best one of the year you're going to see names like elijah griffin i already mentioned is going to be there but would surprise me if a david sanders comes in one gaston comes in Really, a lot of the elite 2025s might make their way. I know Nate Frazier, the running back out of modern day in California, who's a little banged up, not playing right now for uh, the Monarchs right now. He's expected to be in town. You're going to see a lot of those out-of-town commitments trying to make their way. The 330 game is so much more manageable than the 12 kickoff for Ball State this weekend. You're right there, Brandon. I don't expect a, a big list at all. The list of names might go four or five deep in terms of really big luminaries, especially undecided outside the commitment realm of visitors that's going to be there. Um, they might have the best player in 2029 in the front row, right? That's how light the, <laughs> that's how, that's how the West End Zone might be this weekend. I'm always saying that half-kiddingly. I think it would be heavy in 2027, maybe 2028. Uh, looking down the road a little bit for the Ball State game, you're going to get guys that are that are local, uh, guys that you know, get to Athens within about a two-hour drive or so. Uh, not a huge list, and it's one of those lists we always we always caution folks because when you start writing about it on Friday, there's a chance that rides fall through. There's a chance that they get a nick on Friday night and rather just want to stay home. So that's always the risk with you know a game like that that starts so early. People sometimes invent excuses not to get to Athens when it's such a wonderful place to be on Saturdays. But right now in the month of September, when we really weren't expecting it, Brandon, You've got two big commitment decisions coming up, including one potentially this weekend with Chris Cole. Uh, be odd to see Georgia's commitment board to have two linebackers from Virginia and Christopher C. Jones, another guy that's having a great senior year playing both ways uh, up in Virginia, and then Chris Cole potentially in Virginia as well. So that's something to think about. You've got another game at Athens, which is cause for celebration enough already. Uh, so it's going to be a, it's a good month in terms of recruiting pearls coming down uh, with Georgia Bulldogs. Jeff, great stuff. Appreciate your time here. Look forward to seeing you, uh, obviously, and uh, getting plenty of your recruiting coverage here over the next little bit there as well. Fun time coming up for these dogs and the possibility of maybe a commitment decision going Georgia's way there on uh, Sunday evening. That could be really cool there as well. Jeff, enjoy the weekend, and we will look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, Brandon, got a, got a little tip. Got a thrill ride coming tonight. I'm making the long trek down to wow. Moultrie today to take in the nine car experience, perhaps the hottest Georgia commitment on the field right now, having a career year, gunning for that fifth star. 
NICAR, and Colquitt County. Not only are they hosting a, an opponent tonight, but they're also taking on Lee County, Osmani Chroma, probably the number one back in the state uh, for the 2025 class. So we're going to see a good one tonight. And somehow bleary-eyed, we're going to be up at Athens at about 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. That is quite a uh, turnaround for you, Jeff, but we appreciate that coverage, and we will certainly look forward to talking to you here very soon. Take it easy, buddy. Have a great weekend. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Uh, fun stuff from Jeff. And, you know, hate to fast forward too much past Ball State, but it is really fun to see who might be in the building next week for the Georgia-South Carolina game. And over the course of the next few weeks, prospects committed elsewhere, possibly taking visits. I think you've got to be on guard for that. And also, as Jeff mentioned, we think about Sanders and Gaston and guys like that, you know, looking at some of these offensive linemen class of 2025. Going to be a big year in state for line of scrimmage. Defensive line, big names in the offensive line. Uh, that's going to be uh, good times and uh, good stuff, and we can't wait to talk more about that. For now, though, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. As somebody mentioned on the show a little earlier, uh, and by the way, I missed your live comments. I wish we had those here for you right now, but we'll get back to them again very soon. But the point is, we read a tweet a little earlier, guy talking about my proclivity for water-themed events, Dog Nation Invasion of the Tennessee River, but also being on the caribbean there as well and on a royal caribbean cruise too can't wait for april of 2024 can't wait to be on board allure of the seas with all of you and hundreds of you have already signed up for it many of you more are making your plans to do so there as well it's going to be a world-class experience on an oasis class ship bigger and better than dog nation cruise has ever been in the past that is what it's going to be jessica slater is a great travel agent she can help you out with this you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 also you can email her jay slater at dreamvacations.com that's jay slater at dreamvacations.com but you can check out the website royaldogs.com right now that's royaldogs.com the website that she's put together that gives you an idea of everything you need to know about the upcoming dog nation cruise in april 2024 we're leaving out a perfect uh, out of port canaveral going to perfect day coco k nasa on the bahamas bigger and better than it's ever been before cannot wait for that i also can't wait for a great slate uh, i think a really fun intriguing slate of college football games here this weekend so for our sec through i want to give you some final thoughts on all of this including texas and alabama and look here's what i'm a believer in obviously there's a personal pride for me when it comes to getting my picks correct I want to be right anybody would that's just kind of the competitive nature that we all have we share opinions we want those opinions to be proven true when we actually pick games when our picks to be right that's just the way that it goes but ultimately my job is to be clear right I, you know to stay in clear unmistakable terms how I think things are going to unfold that's my job my job is to be clear right if you can but clear by necessity so let me be very clear here for a moment I believe that Alabama has slipped as a program and I believe that Saturday is the day in which that gets demonstrated. I think if you look at the numbers here, you know, Alabama just 2-5-1 and one against the spread in its last eight games. Alabama, we're accustomed to seeing win with ease. It's not just the fact they've lost a couple of regular season games in the 2023 season. It's also the fact that games like Texas A&M, Florida, these games are closer than we're typically used to seeing Alabama play. They're not covering the spread with regularity anymore and in narrow spread type situations like on saturday that's been perhaps over the course of nick saban's career a little bit more of a problem than you might realize now you put the referendum on texas then who knows right i mean who knows if they're ready to take the next step obviously texas is back is a meme because of how often it's proven not to be true 
And admittedly, the Longhorns didn't have a great game against Rice this past Saturday, at least on the offensive side. But the statement we've been making for months now is that Quinn Ewers is the best quarterback in this game. The Texas wide receivers are far better than the Alabama uh, folks on the other side. That has been a strength for Alabama. It doesn't appear to be a strength anymore. And the potential firepower that Texas has to be put on display, Steve Sarkeesian, no stranger to scoring points in Bryant-Denny Stadium. He used to do that wearing crimson, wearing burnt orange on Saturday. We think he at least has enough of that to walk away not just covering the seven point spread but actually getting the win it's a fascinating game we are on texas there in that spot another game that was probably not supposed to be as fascinating as it appears to be right now but has certainly been the talk of the college football world uh and that's colorado hosting nebraska second game of the matt rule era uh second or third either way uh, early early days of the matt rule era uh, Colorado, of course, was the talk of the entire nation last week for shocking win as a three-touchdown underdog against the national runner-up from a year ago, TCU. Now, this is why I like following like gambling and point spreads and things like that. It's really fascinating. At one point in time, you could have talked about Nebraska as being about a touchdown favorite in this game. But over the course of the you know last seven days or so since the uh, Colorado win, you've seen that spread flip by almost 10 full points here to the point where now Colorado is about a three-point favorite. But Here's what you've also seen there as well. With all the hype, with all the discussion about Colorado, the one thing you have not seen yet is this line creep up, you know, past that three and stay there. In fact, FanDuel right now has it two and a half as I'm recording this on a Friday morning, and pretty much everybody else still kind of has it at three. I thought we might see three and a half here. I thought we might see more than that. But the truth is, is that every time it tries to get up above that, there's a huge buyback on Nebraska here. So be careful if you're on the Colorado hype train here for this particular Saturday. I believe there's probably a comeback to earth moment happening here against the Huskers. Uh, I, I was entertained by what Colorado did a week ago, but I don't think things changed that much that quickly. It seems like a lot of pretty heavy betters, at least heavy dollar betters, kind of feel the same way here. Uh, a lot of fun and intrigue around this Colorado-Nebraska game in which I think it might strike midnight a little bit on the Colorado Cinderella story, but we shall see. I also like Tulane as an underdog hosting Ole Miss on Saturday. This is a Tulane team that got a probably better than you realize win last week against South Alabama. If you care about things like ESPN, FPI data, things like that, South Alabama was rated and is rated somewhere near the Boston College, Vanderbilt level. Not a good team, but a power five, at least a low level power five team. Tulane was only a touchdown favorite in that game and they won by three touchdowns and they're getting at one point this week getting seven and a half points we'll see where the line actually settles at but they've been getting more than a touchdown at home against Ole Miss and this Ole Miss team I'm just not quite so sure about I'm not they obviously scored 70 plus points against Mercer last week uh, but I'm not quite so sure about them in this spot against Tulane on Saturday I actually like the green wave remember Michael Pratt stayed at Tulane could have transferred to Florida, didn't. I, I kind of like them there in this spot. I'll take the uh, green wave. Don't really know what to expect from Texas A&M Miami. Uh, Texas A&M's been kind of operating this week as about a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The last three times that Texas A&M's been a road favorite, they've lost outright. So uh, be very careful here with Texas A&M. This, I believe, could be one of those games which I think the point spread comes into play. In other words, Texas A&M may win the game, but they may not win it convincingly on the road. Miami has zero home field advantage, of course. They were 1-6 both straight up and against the spread at home last year. They're essentially giving away tickets down there in South Florida. But I'm not quite so sure that's enough to cause me to trust Texas A&M really anywhere right now. Aggies were a little bit better offensively last week. Uh, they're, you know, 
per play average was a little bit higher, but it wasn't dramatically higher, and they're only playing New Mexico. I like them to win the game, but I don't have confidence in them against the spread. I, I just don't. Um, for our go with the flow, I did pick Miami. I would My advice would be to just avoid this game altogether and probably watch it, not necessarily bet it. But um, for the purposes of our contest, I did take Miami. And then I'll, I'll finish with this. Auburn needs to be very, very careful. They're around a touchdown favorite on the road at Cal. That doesn't seem like much, but it takes a real operation. It takes a real team, travel 3,000 miles, and win somewhat convincingly in somebody else's building, no matter who it is. Cal won last week on the road itself in pretty you know, convincing fashion against North Texas, which once again doesn't move the needle for very many of you. But if Hugh Freeze is a real coach on the way to really establishing something in year one, this is the kind of game that you go out there and you don't have to win by 100 points, but but you do need to win going away. You need to win, you know, by a couple of touchdowns here or at least, you know, double digit points, perhaps. And if you're not, then you could get in some real trouble real fast. I like Auburn here in this spot, but if I was Auburn, I'd be very careful on the road in what is a pretty tricky spot. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also give a quick shout out here to some folks who are going to be a big part of our game day tomorrow. It's our friends at Jay Stein Law Firm. Now, if you have been hurt or injured in an accident, something that wasn't your fault, our friends at the Jay Stein Law Firm want to do good work for you to get you what you deserve. Of course, Josh Stein, he's not only a double dog graduating from the UJ Law School, but he's also got more than 20 years of handling injury cases, perhaps just like yours. You're going to get small firm attention, service, and the compassion that you deserve. They got a limited caseload. That means that every client receives very special extra service, the time you need to take care of what you need. That is what the Jay Stein Law Firm is all about. Fellow dogs helping you get what you need in your time of need if you've been hurt or injured in an accident. So check them out online, Jay Stein Law Firm. Dot com. That's J Stein. Stein spelled S T E I N. J Stein Law Firm. Dot com. All right. So to uh, wrap things up here on a Friday, we'll show you Golden Shoe. Now I haven't independently verified this information, but you know, given it's coming from a good Georgia fan, I'm assuming this is probably true. Rambo shares this with me and our friends from 960 The Rav that Georgia's creeping up on Florida right now in terms of the total number of weeks spent as the Associated Press's number one overall team. Now, we know going back to the Dark Ages, AP was pretty biased against Southern teams, so perhaps Georgia suffered from that something like, say, the 1940s when UGA was very good. But according to Rambo, Florida's got 41 weeks as the number one team in the AP poll and creeping up from behind Georgia there at 39. So the next few weeks, that could be kind of a fun thing to uh, – to see uh, Georgia surpass here, and a good note from our buddy Rambo will give him a golden shoe for that. And speaking of numbers involving the lousy, stinking Gators, how about a fresh, even 50? That's how long it is until we're all in Jacksonville together for the cocktail party, watching Georgia beat Florida again. That's fun to think about. See you in Athens tomorrow, then back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.